Welcome to Social Worker Wine Time. You bring the cheese. We have the wine. We're here to share with you shit they don't tell you in social work school, stories about being helpers. When it comes to medical social work, we have seen and heard it all. During our episodes, we want to share some stories, laugh about them, talk to other helping professionals about their stories, and then laugh about those too. We're going to make light of all the humorous happenings and bizarre encounters in our day-to-day life. We are also working moms and wives, and we'll probably share some of our funny parenting and marriage stories that occur in our lives as well. Our purpose is to use humor to encourage those in the helping professions and working moms and wives. Hi. Welcome back to Social Worker Wine Time. I'm Meredith. And I'm Christina. Welcome to episode seven. I think this is seven. Yeah, it is seven. How exciting. It is very, very exciting. We hope you've been enjoying our podcast. Last episode, we had our first guest, uh, Moira, and she was awesome. We were very excited to have her. And hopefully we'll have some more guests for you coming up soon. What do we have planned for them today, Christina? Uh, We are going to discuss some of those um, fun family reunions we get. And then, uh, you know, those forced ones that ever so happily happen on the unit. And then um, I think a little mix of um, just some rare family dynamic situations relating to those forced family reunions. <laughs> do, you, do you remember? Remember in in school, I thought to myself, "When the hell am I ever going to have to draw a genogram again?" Right? Yes. Like, when in the hell would I ever use this thing again? Right? And so, you had to like draw it with your own family. And let me tell you, I can't draw mine because there's like a tree splits in half somewhere in the middle. It's a mess. So, um if I was drawing a family tree. So, you know, I paid attention, but not a lot to be really honest, because I thought that my brain would be able to comprehend whatever in conversation. But the more I've been doing this job, the more I've needed to draw genograms and family trees because I thought mine was challenging. No, 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 that was nothing compared to what I've had to um, learn how to draw and uh, diagram. But since no one else has to read my genograms, I just flip over my face sheet and like draw these lines and arrows. And it, it's really funny, actually. But you have your own system because I have my own system. Like you, you know, they had the, the, jack, the dotted lines and then the solid lines and this and that. And I think when I did, when I learned how to do them, I was doing even like color coding just because it, I could process it a little better because my family tree is kind of wonky as well. Um, but, but yeah, but you, <laughs> some of these, you just have to create your own systems. As long as you understand it, that's all that matters. Right. And that's right. So it turns out that's what really matters. It doesn't matter whether you do it like they did in social work school, by the way. So we're giving you a secret here. 
yes, you have to learn how to do it for like to pass or whatever. But in, in the end, you just got to figure out how to remember what the hell you just drew on that paper. Um, yeah. And then you have to learn how to document it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to put into a note and you can't use pronouns because it's quite confusing because then, you know, you're saying she, well, which of the she's, because when they have 11 children um, in multiple countries, like, you know, it, it's a mess. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. definitely a mess. Let's see. So my first family reunion was one that was not intended. Um, and I was, it was very early on in my career. Like, I think I had just moved to the more rural hospital and um, I had a gentleman who came in with a severe stroke. Ooh, those are and, uh, yeah, it was partially to drug and alcohol use that his body had not been doing well um and some poor choices that he had made in his life but I also don't think that he was still actively using and drinking when this all happened but either way his body had not been well taken care of so he has a stroke and you know I get management involved and they help us track down potential family members and I call these family members <coughs> he had two sons and a daughter and they decide to all like fly down from wherever they lived or drive down from wherever they lived. They said they would be there the next day at like 2 p.m. And I said, okay, I'll meet you, you know, in the lobby, blah, blah, blah. So they call me when they get there and I get them upstairs and they said, is there somewhere we can just sit and talk for a minute? And I was like, yeah, do you want to go see your dad? And they're like, no. And I was like, oh, okay. And so we go into the conference room and the, the daughter says, the last time that my brothers and I saw my dad, he held a gun to our heads. Um, and then he was arrested for like domestic violence against our mother. And, you know, we've been, haven't seen him in 20 something years and blah, blah, blah. Now here he is, I mean, basically close to death here. I mean, he had a stroke, you can't swallow and whatnot. So I was like, oh, well, this is gonna be an interesting <laughs> scenario. So certainly I got to use my um, mental health skills to assist them in dealing with, you know, the anxiety that going into the room with their dad who, you know, had tried to, or threatened to kill them. Um, that was definitely interesting. It wasn't funny, but it was definitely a forced family reunion that they did not um, intend to have. And my jaw was on the floor when they were telling me this story, because I was not expecting that story out of you know, I mean, why would you come? I wouldn't have come down at how, how amazing that they were trying to, you know, do things right. It was, it was, it was a little bit intense, but I, luckily for them in, in the happy ending of the story, he was so far gone that he knew who they were, but he couldn't hurt them. He couldn't even move. So they were not scared of him at that point. Uh, so it worked out really well for their closure. Yes. But kudos to them though. Can you imagine? Cause I mean, I get, I mean, I mean, I can't imagine that, but like, you know, you have family that literally they escaped from a terror, right? Yeah. The, these children escaped. I say children, but they're grown adults. Obviously they can make good decisions. And, um, you know, you have families nowadays where the parents gave them the shirt off their back 
and gave them everything possible. You know, maybe they didn't even eat dinner a couple of times because their kids needed to eat and those kids never step up. So mm-hmm. like kudos to those. I mean, oh yeah, I could have gone completely left. So at the same time, but kudos to them. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. If, I mean, I probably could go, but you know, that takes some strong, strong power. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I said, I definitely give them a lot of credit. They were able to get closure. And yeah. And maybe that's what they needed. Maybe they needed to see like dad, you know, maybe like, you know, he was, he was a user and all that, you know, he probably wasn't of the sound body and mind at the time. So, right. You know, who, I don't know how old they were when that happened. You know, maybe they were older and they understood that, you know, dad's got problems, but wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the unplanned. That's a um, good one. Like, that's a good forced family reunion story. Yeah. Not a funny one, but definitely a good one and a good experience. Like, so certainly it's possible to help people through that and give them peace and closure and it uh, you know definitely felt like a moment in my career that I was being useful at least yeah because there's a lot of times we just stand there and you're just like you're you're pedaling so far fat like so far backwards out of the room while yep. everything's going yeah. yeah so speaking of pedaling backwards out of the room <laughs> I had a guy who um had just gotten out of prison and um, came into the hospital and I feel like he was septic and he was just not doing well. And he was about to get intubated, but he was alert and oriented. And so I made him make an advanced directive because I said, they're about to put a tube down your throat because your labs are so bad and all this stuff. I said, but we need to, we need to figure out who's going to make decisions for you when you become unconscious because they're going to sedate you. And he it was one of those rare times where you actually have an opportunity to like have that conversation because most people that get you know intubated are already gone like mentally um but he was younger like 50s so we were able to have the conversation so he he picked a woman and he knew her name and phone number and I said you know what relation is she to you and he was like well she's a really good friend and I was like oh okay and um he put like her out (laughs) right Right. I'm like, have you talked to her since you got out of prison? Well, no. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll, I'll call her once they intimate you and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, okay, thank you. And I think we put like his mom as a backup or something. And uh, so, you know, the next morning he's intimated. He's still, you know, they weren't able to get him off overnight or anything. So I called this girl. I'm like, okay, we're going to need you to come in. Did you know that, you know, we'll call him Joe. You know, that Joe was here and she's like, oh my God, I had no idea. I didn't know he was here. Oh my goodness, blah, blah, blah. So we fill around what's going on. She comes down to the hospital and we're sitting there talking. And I, I said, well, so tell me how you know Joe. And, you know, tell me about your guys' relationship. Because she was very emotional. And so I thought trying to like slow her brain down would help. Well, I was married to his brother. And then we got divorced, but I've always been in love with Joe. And we just never had a chance to get together because I met his brother first and his brother asked me out and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that's great. Because Joe's probably not going to make it and um, you're going to need to call his family in now. 
And so she had to bring in her ex-husband, who's Joe's brother, and the mom. And so we're all there. And now she's got to make the call what to do. And they're like completely like bewildered as to why the heck he made her his housekeeper. Because they have no idea that the two of them had been in love for all those years. And she's like, oh, I just kept waiting. I wanted to be divorced from him for more than five years before Joe and I tried to get together. And we just were kind of waiting for the right time. And then he was getting himself into some trouble and I wanted him to, you know, get his life back on track. And I mean, this is worse than, than like me and Derek there, you know, like, my gosh, like either do it or don't, man. I mean, even if anything, just do a post-it note. <laughs> right, at least get married on a post-it note. Come on. So that was intense. Like we're in the room and she's like, I can't tell them that we were in love and I can't say why he picked me. But I mean, it made sense. He was single and he had a a friendship with her, I guess. But it was weird. It was so weird. And then she didn't want to make him CMO because she wanted to give him a chance to come back so that they could be in love and be together finally. Oh my gosh. So note to self, when you're making an advanced directive, do not use like, like, you know, your first love or someone who, wants a second chance with you because they will keep you alive as long as freaking possible. (laughs) Like if you do anything, put like your ex because they hate you and they're certainly not going to prolong your life. They're going to be like, unless you owe them money. (laughs) That's true. Unless you owe them money. Oh my goodness. Or or a boat or something. (laughs) Oh my goodness. You didn't sign the title over yet. Yeah, that too. I had That's a patient. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't make these stories up. I can't even imagine. I mean, well, I mean, in theory, when you're completing an advanced directive, you really shouldn't put your family on it. Right. You know, in theory, but you really shouldn't put like your wannabe lover on it either. Who's also the ex wife of your brother. Of your brother. Like, put. I mean, granted, do you want your next door neighbor on it? Probably not, but, you know, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I would have my spouse, and then I have a good friend that works in the medical field, and that would be my... Right, but I mean, I guess I can see kind of what he was thinking. Like, he didn't have anybody, so he might as well pick somebody that he knew, and obviously he's dying and he wanted he had a brother true and a mother and he didn't trust his brother yeah i don't think so well yeah because his brother stole his love of his life love of his life wow. out of curiosity did he pull through no i didn't think so but i just had to ask no he didn't poor guy and so they never got their chance together but should have done the sticky note should have gotten married and posted out before he got intubated. Yeah, he never made it like he never came out of that. So like he didn't even see oh, her. She had to make that horrible. He didn't even get to see her. Oh, what a love story that would have been. I have I have um been a witness at weddings, so. Oh, really? Yeah, I've had at least two. Maybe three. Didn't you guys have a wedding in rehab once? Or was that after you left? We had a hundredth birthday. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we did. We celebrated a hundredth birthday. Um, 
he was stuck in there for rehab and um oh he was like the spunkiest 100 year old too like I mean you just know some of them you know you could tell he had like this amazing life and um he had like an amazing family and they reached out and they were like you know he's going to be celebrating his 100th birthday in there and you know he he was he was in rehab more for like a physical reason um mentally mentally he was he was sharp and um medically like he he really didn't if I remember correctly he really didn't have anything like terribly you know life ending type of a thing you know 100 years old he's probably diabetic you know those types of things but nothing like cancer or anything like that right right like a terminal right like a terminal thing so um they reached out to me and I was like I didn't even ask the manager at the time. I was like, of course. <laughs> and then I was like, and we had, and I want to say it was right when we had just had like a remodel. So we had this beautiful new room. Uh, and I was like, can we do this? Oh, no, 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 maybe not. Maybe it was in the midst of it. I can't remember. We had two somewhat very similar situations. But, um, but yeah, they brought in a cake. Um, I wasn't there though because it happened on a Sunday and um, I had something going on so I couldn't go but they did it on the weekend and the the therapy team and the nurse team was there Um, but um, yeah I and I want to say he I mean he he did end up dying um, I think of all natural things but like six months after so like he had like his big 100th birthday with us which was cool but yeah I don't remember a wedding um yeah that I don't remember a wedding so that might have happened after I left yeah it must have been all after. the fun left all the fun happened after I left yeah so we we had two we had an ICU wedding and then he got intubated the next morning and didn't make it either but he did get to get married and he had cake and we cleaned him up really nice and they had flowers and they had a party it was very cute I did see one. Oh, I did see one um, that one of the other hospitals recently had one. Um, the um, mommy was the the wife was pregnant. Um, they were engaged, and she was pregnant, but she ended up having to be put on bed rest, so she was stuck in the hospital and um, they wanted to get married before she had the baby. So the mommy baby ward hooked her up and they got married in the chapel and they got the okay, you know, because obviously she's on bed rest because it's medical issues. So, um, but they got it cleared. I was like, oh, why can't I see all these fun things? I know, what the heck? I did, did you ever have a, I'm sure you did, because most of your patients wound up with me, but... (laughs) I had a patient one time that had like, it was either 13 or 15 children. And um, I, I cannot remember, and I wish I could. I don't, I don't believe they were from, I, I, they for sure weren't from the same wife. And I don't know if it was a divorce or his first wife passed away or whatnot. But I will say of all the children, and the oldest one was probably, I don't know, in her 40s at the time. The youngest one was probably 10 or 12 years old, I think. Wow. So there was a big, big gap. And um, 
they all got along. Wow. Like he was in a, um, a private room so they could come anytime. They were all a part of his therapy. They were, and, and it was like the one time, you know, when you're taking, I mean, you probably didn't have this that much because um, most of them ended up in sniffs in this situation, but he had had a stroke. And um, most of the times you hear, oh, well, my children will take care of me. And you're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's not happening. Not happening. I actually could document and say his children were taking care of him. And I knew that it was happening because they had like, they had mapped out on a board, like who was doing what, um, you know, because obviously, and I want to say that there were obviously grandkids in the mix. So yeah. that were old enough to help out too. So in between everything, he had somebody with him almost every day all day yeah and it's easy because you have 13 kids or whatever right and grandkids and <laughs> but it was so funny because I was trying to I was trying to keep them straight it was so difficult and I'm like I, I can't keep you guys straight was this before name tags <laughs> yeah I'm just like I know where I know who you're seeing and I know you're the daughter um but, but that's all I got yeah I could not keep the name straight because and ironically, because they were from different, even though some of the kids were from different mothers, they all looked very similar because they looked a lot like their father. Him. So like, it was hard to like, like, okay, the younger ones I could figure out, but it was the older ones. So yeah, I'll never forget that family. I was like, how do you, oh my God. I'm like, do you put names in a hat at Christmas? <laughs> right. You certainly can't give all 12 of your siblings gifts, right? Right? Like, I, it, but like I said, like he was going home in the most loving and safe home. Like, I actually wanted them to adopt me. I'm like, can you just take me too? Because they were just, they were just anything dad needed. If one of them couldn't buy it, the other one would. You know, they were, they were paying private pay if they could, you know, like they did everything. That's really yeah. nice though. Good family. Those are those are the crazy family trees, but they're good ones. Yes. Yeah. I I actually when um I was trying to figure it all out, I thought I was gonna have to buy a scroll. <laughs> you know what? You know what you could use a CVS receipt. That would have been long enough. <laughs> yes. Or a Target regular receipt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh. I had a, um, I, I mean, we had a lot of patients who would say, this is my daughter, but they're not really their daughter. Those mm. always drove me crazy. And, you know, you're not, you're trying not to be disrespectful, but you're like, okay, I need to know who are you biologically related to? Like, I need to know who in this room shares genetics with you. And I don't need to know because I'm not including your other person. Like, if you're with it, it's fine. You can make this person your healthcare surrogate. But if they're not your daughter, then we had to put that in writing like now because right. it's not going to work out or the ones who are like oh I have no family and then you go and do your research and you find out they have like a brother an hour north of them and I mean I've had so much as a state agency tell me that this person had no family and would you believe I tracked down a brother an hour away who absolutely knew where his brother was, where he lived, he didn't know the details of how he was doing. They weren't very close because the brother had cognitive issues that prevented him from really 
knowing, you know, that his brother was checking on him anyway. So his brother's like, I don't, as long as he's taken care of, I'm, it doesn't matter to me. And, uh, but like the, the, this lady from the state argued with me and said, no, he has no one. And I was like, so why were you lying to me? Because this brother says that he's talked to you many times. And she's like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, yeah, okay, you can stop lying. It was bad. You know, I had a, um, I'll never forget this. I ended up on the phone with this woman for um, probably a good 45 minutes. She was telling me. Um, so her brother, who ended up, who was the patient, had, is homeless. Okay. He's a veteran. Okay. He's homeless. He chooses to be. Like, he chooses to be, and she right. knows right. it, and they have a system worked out um, where his, when you pull up, like, his information sheet, face sheet, whatever anybody calls it, you know, her number is his contact number. Um. So, and, but it's also her, his emergency contact number. Right. So, if he ends up in the hospital, you know, a DOA or a Johnson. John Doe or whatever and they find out who it is she gets that's how she knows where he is right because he ends up back into the hospital because he does have medical conditions and I called um her one day and I said oh you know I'm I'm looking for you know John Doe and she's like oh no I'm I'm his I'm his sister and I said is he available and she said no and that's when I found out and I was like you know I get why she's like, I can't bring him in just because he's, he's had addiction problems in the past. And I don't want that on my, on my family. But I mean, that's pretty smart because if you think about it, like even his identification card has her address, has her phone number. So if something ever happened, he's not just thrown in a bag and. Yeah. Right. Right. But she had to maintain a boundary of not. Right. Yeah. Right. I was, I'm like, kudos to you. And she's like, it's the only, she goes, he'll reach out to me, you know, if, if he runs into a serious issue. Um, but other than that, like the only time she really knew medically of how he was doing, but then it became an issue because then she would have like, you know, her heart would stop every time the hospital would call because she recognizes the number because he stayed near one specific hospital. Uh. So when I finally reached out to her, she's like, is there any way that we can just not have um, me called for this situation? Because I can't give you any information. Like, you're not, it was always that initial call that I was calling on. It was when we were doing um, outreach to the community. Okay. So it wasn't a patient that was on my floor, but. Right. Which I would, I would, because it was the hospital I followed at. I would always end up reaching her. And so I had a sticky note. If it came up, I would just put refused call. Uh, so I knew in my, I was like, I put like, on a, not his name, because obviously that's HIPAA, somebody walked by my desk, but I put something that identified it. Right. So I knew automatically, I was like, okay, that's one less call I have to make. Because I felt bad because there was no way we could change the system the way that they do discharges in the right. system. And you don't so want to remove her number for emergency purposes. Exactly. And I'm like, you know, we really need to look into something like this. But I don't think a lot of homeless people think that way or do that. But um, 
you know, kudos to her. I mean, she could have just been like, right. And not even helped him. Right. But she was at least able to give him a place to get messages and yeah. Get mail. Exactly. You know, I, um, have you ever had a patient where I'm sure you have had this one where you have like a caregiver that could possibly be like, the side piece, if that's what you want to call it, if that's what the kids are calling it these days. And then, like, the wife, who's very active. And oh, yeah. And the caregiver come while she's out playing tennis and ladies at lunch, you know, the lifestyle that I would love to have. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we had one of those. And I had a CMA, who you actually would know. Um, she, she goes up. He's demented. Has no, he's on a he's actually in one of the rooms that they have a a mod like the camera on to monitor. Yeah. So he is that demented. Right. And I had suspicions that the caregiver was more than just the caregiver, and but it wasn't my regular floor. I was covering that was when I worked um, weekends. So I only saw him two days in a row, and I was able to figure this out and leave a sticky note for the social worker on the Monday. I mean, like, hey. The guy over there and ABC (laughs) has got this going on. So I tell the CMA who's going in and having them sign because we're working on discharge and and the wife and the caregiver are basically both providing me information because I physically see one and I hear one calling and I'm like, okay, I don't want to get in the middle of it, but the caregiver was giving it from the caregiver side. Like, you know, I can bring, he can come home and I'm able to manage this and I'm able to do this. And, I, and she, she was playing a good, you know, I can manage him. This is his norm. Although I was questioning it. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And then I have the CMA going in when the man is alone to sign the, um, they call it the moon letter now. Yeah. So I was like, you cannot have him sign that. She's like, I need him to sign it. I was like, you cannot have him sign that. Like, I'm standing there. For the record, I was just an intern telling her this. <laughs> she was a social worker. Um, and she worked at your hospital. She actually wanted my um, rehab job, but I want her out. Um. But yeah, I went, I went in and I was like, you cannot have him sign it. You call the wife. And I'm like, this is the number you call. (laughs) Don't call the caregiver. Yeah, don't call the, (laughs) don't call the caregiver slash girlfriend slash, yeah. Yeah. I I had, I, I never knew what happened because the weekend that I came in that, um, I may not have been an intern. Maybe I was working part. I worked there on the weekends after I graduated um, but it was around that time, but, um, but yeah, I, I don't know what happened to him because the next time I worked, he wasn't there. So I'm assuming he got placed, but, or he went home or he signed his own letter and, and <laughs> or he signed himself out. God only knows what that man could do. Like I, the poor nurses, I felt so bad for the nurses for that patient, but, but in that situation, it's like, okay. I mean, yeah, you can't. Yeah. Oh, and you know, that's, that's a pet peeve of mine. Like we say that they're confused in the hospital and I get it that they get better when they're healthier, but like, we'll get so many that we say are too confused to go home and they can't come up with a plan. Like, like 
the questions obviously that we ask are are good questions like what do you do if there's a fire how are you going to get from the bed you know like we talk about like like what do you do if you have to have bowel movement like we don't just go do you have someone to care for you at home and they say yes and then we let them go like we know like you have to answer these questions and so of course they can't answer these questions so they have no judgment or insight as to how they're going to function at home so then we send them to rehab and the rehab lets them sign out like six days later and I'm like I get that their mentation is going to improve the more, you know, medication and treatment for whatever this illness is. But in six days, they could not have gone back home independently alone without anybody else. Just say, I'm, yeah. No, and he, I would have those come to Jesus. I always call them come to Jesus talks. Yeah. It was me and one of the lead therapists. And I'm always like, look, they're not hearing it from anybody else. You and I need to go in and come to Jesus. Yeah. And I'm like, here's the deal. And I had to say it to like, you know, I, and I felt bad, but I'm like, look, you cannot physically, and, and you know, the general population in the area that, that oh, yeah. serves. So the majority of them are in mobile homes. If one tiny little match, those things go up in smoke so quick. Oh, yeah. And you can't like, I mean, like even a healthy person can't process how quick those things go up, you know? So it's like, how are you going to get out? You have yeah. three steps to get even in the building, you yeah. know? And, I, and, I'm, and they're like, well, I can call 911 and they can get me in my house. They're not going to come out every time you need to go to the store. That's going to be $100 a pop. They're going to start charging you. Yep. Yeah, I don't, I would have those talks. And you know what other talks I would have too? And we would have our weekly meetings. I would say, can they wipe their ass? Yeah. And the therapist, the occupational therapist would look at me and I was like, I'm serious. Because if they go home, here I am, the social worker asking, can they wipe their ass? Because they're going home alone and they already have a wound on their ass. Right. Can they wipe it? Because if they can't wipe it clean, what is going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, and people don't not. think about that. I'm like, what are you going to do when you have bowel movement? Like, you're like, oh, I have a chair, a recliner. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great. But what are you going to do if you have bowel movement? Do you, you know, you're going to get to the bathroom? Like, what? Yeah. 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 I had, um, it actually made me think because um, we, they were going through this whole new, so we document in Cerner, but we document in a special package that Cerner has. So it's for patients that are at home. Right. right? So we have a Cerner team, not a Cerner team, but a team that works with Cerner and they help with our build. So okay. I came up with this great idea. I'm like, you know, we follow patients that go to skilled nursing facilities. Can we, can we simulate, can we basically make our documentation very similar to what we would be doing if they were in a SNF, right? Right. So like finding out what their physical therapy, because we're supposed to be probing these questions. We're supposed to be there to support them, right? So I was working with this this amazing IT guy. He is like my go-to guy. Sometimes I just call and just be like, hey, I just wanted to say hey. <laughs> Can you have him fix your report though? No. He was on the email thread. Yeah, he was on the email thread, but he could never, he couldn't fix it. Because it was, um, it, so basically you have IS that works Maine, which is the main hospital group who works with that. And then you right. have the other IS that works in the other like ambulatory groups. 
Okay. That are ambulatory, so they don't cross my report right. and inpatient. But he was building out this building. He goes, well, can't you just put um, home with spouse or home with caregiver and I and or home with um, home with family? And I was like, no, because home with family can be well, I'm taking them home, but I'm not providing care. And he goes, what do you mean? I was like, would you take your mother-in-law home and wipe her ass? <laughs> He's like, I get what you're saying. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was okay, like, new category for you. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a distinctive thing. There's family, spouse, and a caregiver. So... But, yeah, because it technically would be independent, right, if they were, if you're right. taking her home, but you're not willing to do any personal care. Right. So basically, if they are going home with no physical touch or care from somebody, they're home independently. Right. Whether you live with your daughter or not. And that's another question people don't think to ask. Are you, you live with your daughter. Is your daughter home during the day? Are Does you she home work? Right. Does she right. work? Does she work night? Does she work night? Does she have, do you have grandchildren? Are they in school? See, look at what we're teaching these young social workers here. This is a great educational episode. We're going to have to star this one. We're going to have to star this one and make sure that they are aware. Yeah. You have to be able to get out of your house in a fire and yep. you have to be able to wipe your ass if you're alone. Exactly. If you're alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a guy who was living alone until recently. And um, he had this really great niece who would check on him. And um, she would come, she would drive like two hours every Sunday and take him to the grocery store and just do things with him and, you know, help him with light chores around the house and, and whatnot. And so does he live independently? Technically, right? But he doesn't drive. And so he needed her assistance for certain things. And, uh, and so then he ended up hospitalized and needed rehab so she had had him sent to a rehab closer to her because it makes sense and she could check on him right. except, except the rehab was closer to me and then when he got sick he ends up with us and everyone's talking to this this niece and he's a little bit confused he's not completely confused but he's confused enough that I would not trust him and so he's calling like four different people's names and I still don't know who any of these people are. So I'm like, which one is, is your niece? And he's like mixing up their names, like Jane and, and Jen and Joan. And I'm like, wait a minute, who's Jane? Wait, who's Jen? I thought you were talking about Joan. I couldn't have a conversation with the guy. So uh, I called Jane and she says, oh yeah, he has no family, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, that's funny because on this face sheet, I see a granddaughter listed. Who's that? Well, she doesn't take care of him, blah, blah, blah. I get it. You are doing an amazing job. And he would have been dead a long time ago if you had not, you know, done your Sunday visits to set up his meds and and take him grocery shopping and whatnot. I said, so I am not discounting what you've done, but I got to figure out who's who's his next of kin and who who can make decisions for him because now he's really sick. And she's like, well, I'm his niece. And I was like, oh, okay. So tell me, did he have siblings? So is your father or mother his sibling? No. Okay. How is that possible? (laughs) So, right. And so I'm like, okay, wait a minute. 
And so she, I said, so did he had no siblings? No, he was an only child. Well, then how are you his niece? Well, his wife, who's dead, her sister's husband had her from a previous marriage or something. It was like a, a niece twice removed type of a thing, like a but it's like she's not direct. Yeah, she's like step step niece in law or something. I mean, like something absurd. Right. So here I am with my genogram, like trying to draw on the back of this paper going, what the F am I trying to like, and then I had to start crossing stuff out because I was assuming it was a child of one of his siblings and then he didn't have siblings. So I had to mark those. And then his wife was dead. So I had to put a little tombstone because I don't know what the actual dead thing is on a genogram. I've been actually looking at pictures of genograms while we were talking and it's very confusing. So yeah, I just draw like little doodles, like a little tombstone if they're dead or. You put flowers. (laughs) <laughs> I put smiley faces if they get along I put middle fingers if they don't I mean you know it's it's, it's very self-explanatory if anybody came upon my genogram they would totally understand what I was doing um, but yeah so like yeah it was like a step niece in law twice removed like I, I couldn't even and I was like okay I said so I get that you grew up around him and you know your father brought you to all these events and and you know him and whatnot I said but technically we have to assign you as a friend because you have no legal relation to this guy and not to mention his granddaughter would have more say in you know blood lineage here than you do and I know every state does things differently but like when we're having tough conversations about like are we going to bring in hospice are we going to send him to rehab are we going to do surgery are we going to let him you know be DNR we can't be having that with just anybody right and and agree I think she's the best person to do it but be honest about who you're how, how you're related to the man yeah I had a patient I when you said that with like the niece situation it totally reminded me and I am I normally keep that whole you know pa- uh, patient social worker like line like I normally I can shut it off. Like I can, I can empathize. I can sympathize. I can cry with them, you know, but like generally I do not get like personal with this case. Right. But this one older gentleman, I just, I attached to him because he had his deceased brother as his emergency contact. Oh God. on On his, on his face sheet. And I distinctly remember saying to him, I'm like, Oh, I see, you know, so-and-so on your face and he goes that's my brother him nor his brother ever married and um when they got older they lived together because they they depended on each other and um I can't remember if he drove or if his brother drove or whatever but they they were very religious he was a devout catholic like true you know like during lent generally you don't eat meat on fridays well old school you never ate meat on Fridays and you fasted during Lent on Friday. So um, he, he ate fish every Friday. I made sure he always got his fish, you know. Um, but anyhow, he got really sick and he had to go cute. He came back and um, he kept telling me he had a niece, but I could never reach the niece. But he was a sound body and mind and he could make his own decisions. And he's like, you know, I'll go to rehab. I actually walked him over to rehab. 
Aww. And I would go and visit him once a week at rehab because I was just that concerned. Like, he was with us for over a month, and I never saw or heard about I never saw the niece or nephew. Right, like they ever so, called, never stopped by, yeah. Right, and I had a real good relationship with the um, facility that he was at, so I would call and just check on him. I'm like, hey, don't forget he has this appointment, because, you know, I was real. I wanted to make sure, because he ended up with a wound back, and that's why he couldn't go home. Oh, no. And so it was like one of those things, like everything that possibly could go wrong happened, and um that's really the only reason he had to go was because of the wound back. He could care for himself otherwise, but the wound back was like on his like bottom area. Um, so he couldn't manage that. I mean, yeah. nobody and then love the stupid thing around swoop. So right. um, come to find out he did have a niece. She did pick him up. She took him home, dropped him off at home. <sighs> to go grocery shopping and she came home and he had died at the kitchen table no yeah <gasps> so I had found out because the nurse the the facility I had called and, and they knew that I was checking on him because I, I was really really concerned just because I wanted him to know that somebody was following him yeah and it was me and another another CNA that kind of attached to him he was just a sweet gentleman right I actually went to his funeral Oh. And it was me and this um, skilled nurse, and that's when I, and this was literally, like, I, I had been following him for two months, right? Um, probably more than that. And that was the only time I ever met the niece. And she said, are, how, are, uh, how are you related or anything? I was like, I'm not related. I was like, I was a social worker when he was in rehab, and I was following him this whole time. I was very concerned for him, so um, we had Because it sounded like his family was shitty. Like he was, yeah. And she, I mean, and no, that's she what just, I would have like, said to her. Very sweet of you to come. And I was like, I was like, I don't know if you realize how special your uncle really is. And I still, to this day, don't know if they were truly blood. Yeah. But I mean, I, cause I couldn't, she couldn't, he couldn't provide me the documentation. Right. You know, most of these people can't, you know, when you're, you're falling and you can't get up and, you know, you call your life alert. They come get you. They don't ask you, do you have your POA paperwork? Right. They <laughs> never. never. You know, um, they don't have it attached to their refrigerator like they should or their DNR attached to their refrigerator like they should. You know, not oh, man, attached. I heard one today. I heard a story today um, about a family who had like 10 people in the house and the patient died or almost died. And so they called 911, but they said the patient was a DNR, but they, they, nobody knew where this DNR paper was. And so EMS is there doing CPR and everything. And the family's like, no, they didn't want this. And they're like, you have to have a form. It has to be signed by a doctor. So apparently like 10 minutes into the CPR, the family finds the form and comes running out as the ambulance is pulling away like lights and sirens to the hospital and they find the paper this is why you put it on the fridge because now this poor patient, I don't even know if it was a man or a woman, but had gone through like 15 minutes of CPR and God knows what, right? Yes. And so even if they were kind of dead already, yeah. Yeah. They're pushed, they're kind of pulling them back to earth a little bit. And so then they stop doing CPR, of course, because now they have a real DNR and the patient dies in the back of the ambulance, just dies 
because he might have been already dead but or she but and then what so not like do you bring them back in the house because they're dead like no but there's 10 people in the house so and it wasn't like a hospice situation so do you leave them in the ambulance do you bring them to the hospital I mean like that was in all kinds of a pickle I'd been like what the hell am I supposed to do with this guy yeah what do they do with that process and that process well this particular guy apparently um stayed in the ambulance until um the funeral home came you know what's crazy I, I mean if, if they're home alone it's not so weird to just bring them back into the house right cover them with a sheet and right. But this was he was in a truck like well right he was in the ambulance and there was people in the house did you like bring them back into the people and then what are you gonna do like throw them on the couch like I, I think it was just odd that is a very odd actually uh Milton and I were having a huge conversation about this um recently because we always see you know and I'm sure it's the same with you and probably for everybody else we live in a not so terribly overpopulated area, but we see the same, obviously the fire trucks, because those are stationed there, but we see the same, um, like, well, like the ambulances that come. Yeah. Yes, I say it funny, everybody. Yes, I say it funny. I try to avoid saying it, uh-uh. but, I say it. but um, you know, and I, and I notice the numbers on the, each rig and, there's specific ones that we see all the time. And I reached out to one of my EMT guys and I was like, where do you restock? Like, I feel like truck 34 never goes home. Like it's always in my neighborhood. <laughs> I see him going to school, coming back from school, you know, going out to dinner. Like, when do they stop? Because, you know, I'm a regular night watch person. Like, I love that TV show. Um, <laughs> I'm addicted to it. And I see when they bring the trucks in because they follow those specific people. But, um, yeah, I, I'll have to ask them that question. Like, I guess they would have to. Why wouldn't they just take him to the hospital? Because, I mean, if, so if he didn't technically start CPR at home, like, if it was, like, an accident and a car accident, right? They would have just taken him to the hospital because they can't stay on the side of the road. Right, because they would need, right? They would need to pronounce them and then they would need to um, have a doctor sign off on it. Right. And I know different counties, they can just call, depending on what the situation is. But if they're like dead, dead on the side of the road, they just call a funeral home. They cover them and call a funeral home. Like you don't have, if they work too though. Yeah. Right. They work you. Now I do know, and I think it depends on the county or where you know. Obviously, state to state is different. But um, I have been doing research. If there are any EMT listeners or any of those that do know, maybe you can answer this question. But I do know that some of them can just call into the closest ED and be like, "Hey, look, this patient is gone." We've been doing X, Y, and Z, and um, they can do a time of death there. Right. And that, and then I, yeah, like you said, like the funeral home would just. Right. And I, right. I but this was I, like a half and half, and then they had a, you know, this had a DNR too. So then you're like, well, wait, you now know. Now you totally like, yeah. 
yeah it's it you could work in this field for 10 years and still be like wait what i don't know like you encounter these odd situations and you know these really weird family trees and then you're like wait is that really a niece if they're related to your wife who's dead's brother's ex-wife's daughter like is that a niece well and my family's guilty of that i had i had an aunt and um on my mom's side of the family and she wasn't really an aunt her and her husband they were my godparents but i called them my aunt and they were they had known my grandparents for over 60 years i only spoke to them i and and i never said just their first name i always even now as an adult they're both deceased but like i still refer to them as aunt and uncle right now my cousin on the same side of the family does not she will directly call them by their first and last name my sister because she was the same way like we didn't have my family my sister and I are the first generation you know my parents are not from the area so they they were from up north so I was the first one born you know not near family right not from family and this aunt and uncle just so happened to be here and that's where we spent family trips you know, family dinners and things like that with them. So it was normal for me to call them that. Yeah, same. I would never make, but they had a very good family unit. So they had somebody that would make that call. But if I would have gone in to visit them in the hospital, I would have referred to them as aunt and uncle. Yes, but I wouldn't have told the social worker that they were, that I was their their legal niece. Right. And I would, and if they said it'd be like, it's not blood, but. Right. They were blood, but they weren't blood. Right. (laughs) Right, I would take care of them as if it was right. Blood, but. Exactly, exactly. I would have done whatever they needed. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, those family reunions, those can be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't do like family counseling. It's the one thing that I kind of draw the line with. Um, not so much family, but like marriage counseling. So like if you and your spouse are having problems and you're in the hospital arguing, I'm not, I'm just going to back away slowly from the room. I just can't like, it's not, you guys can figure that out. I had one ex-wife, this is kind of a family reunion, but not quite. She um, was an ex-wife, but she was listed as an emergency contact in the face sheet. And the patient came into the hospital and she called the cops because he had like an outstanding warrant. And I guess they called her to tell her that he was in the hospital. And so she sent the damn warrants officer up to the hospital to serve him and have him arrested so that when he left the hospital, he had to go to jail. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, wow, you really hate your ex. Like, what a, what a great. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but, you know, who knows? He probably deserved it. Yeah, and I, yeah, I don't know the crime or whatever, right? Whatever she was turning him in for, I, I have no idea, right? Maybe it was domestic and, and I'm glad, but, you know, if that was the case, but. Right, at the he, same time, you're like, oh. For him, I kind of feel bad. I'm like, dude, you probably should have changed your emergency contact. Yeah. Because that wouldn't have happened. Couple, I had a couple of patients, though, that, um, that one couple specifically. <laughs> They were, um, they were repeat, but, um, it was like a revolving door for like three months, mm. I, I swear, but, um, they were exes and they, um, still live together. Like yeah. they, 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 they were very cordial. They looked out for each other. They just, 
their thing was um, we're just better as friends. And neither one of them wanted to like go off and meet anybody. They couldn't afford a divorce. They couldn't afford to do anything else. So they stayed married under the same Right. Same, right. Or, you know, divorce. They just right because it's cheaper to live together else. and share expenses. Right, and share expenses, but they never legally did anything. So they were each other's emergency contact and all that. But yeah, well, yeah, but clearly she didn't want him arrested like the one I had. This is true. Although he probably would have hoped she would have been locked up. I'm talking about <laughs> my family. <laughs> she probably drove him nuts. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You can't make that stuff up. It's, it's just, it's just a whole new experience that brings you, like, I never thought I'd be in charge of family reunions and people that hadn't seen each other and, um, you know, gathering, um, you know, siblings and what, finding the one that's in prison in another state. And yeah, those are, or introducing family to the person that held a gun to their head 20 years ago, you know, reuniting them. Yeah, but I think part of our job, too, is just being a private investigator, too, because a lot of times you don't know this stuff. Oh, boy. It's just being the master of Google. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have Googled some insane. Oh, yeah. In fact, I did it the other day. I Googled what happened. Who did I have? Oh, I was Googling for the granddaughter. No, grandson. I was Googling for the grandson and I ended up finding the son. Oh. Under the daughter-in-law's name and phone number, but I just started calling them and, and trying to figure out if they had any relation because the name was different enough that it, you know, it seemed reasonable. And they had known associates with the patient, you know, they had to own a house together or something. And uh, yeah, I found the son and I was like, I'm looking for a grandson of this and so and he's like well I'm his son and I was like oh even better never mind well I'll just use you <laughs> so yes did I, it work I, out though um yeah the son was involved he just wasn't local and the grandson was local and it was his son so he felt like you know it was easier for the grandson to be the contact person since he was here and had checked on the patient and stuff but um but he was certainly willing to be called and and you know, talk to the medical staff and get updates and stuff. So yeah, it worked out good. Yeah. Yeah. There's been times where I haven't trusted the family and I have legit Googled. Oh yeah. Found out that one of a, one of the daughters was like a stripper at a, at a local strip club. Of course. <laughs> like, well, that explains why I can never reach you. <laughs> you don't have pockets to put your cell phone in. <laughs> she doesn't keep that phone with her at work. There's nowhere for her to put it. Oh Lord, have mercy! Yeah, I, I've found I've I've done some pretty pretty uh, sleuthy. Is that a word? Sleuthy. I feel like that's a word. So yeah, it was more like an episode of Dude, Where's My Car and Private Investigators, kind of like our Social Worker Wine Time Cheaters episode. This is like a Social Worker Wine Time. Uh, private investigator dude where's my car episodes because we're going to have a lot of these I'm sure because I always am using my investigator skills so I had this guy who came in and was 
um, he drove himself to the hospital and he was drunk and he was so drunk that he didn't know his name. So he was a John Doe up in the ICU, but awake, but didn't know anything, but he had car keys with him and he walked in. So it's not like he came by ambulance. So I thought, well, maybe his car would tell us something about him. We could run the license plate, something, right? And uh, so I was talking to him and I said, hey, you know, where's your car? What, what, where'd you park your car? I don't know. Of course you don't. <laughs> so I said, well, what color is your car? It's like, it's blue. I'm like, okay. So I get his keys, but they're old. Like they're the old style keys. And so you can't really tell what kind of, like it didn't have a model or brand or something. Right. Oh my God. I and can it, just it now. Oh my gosh. And it looked like a replacement key too. Like it looked like it wasn't the original. So he, um, so I, I'm like, well, uh, let's go find his car. I mean, how many cars could there possibly be? We, you know, this isn't like a city hospital here. So we guessed what parking lot it would be in because we do have multiple parking lots, but we were pretty sure that it would be in the parking lot near the emergency room. So I take the security guard outside with me and we just start looking around. And I was like, look, you're with me. If I try a car and set off an alarm, you can, you know, confirm that I wasn't breaking into it. But I'm also not thinking that this car that I'm looking for is going to have like a massive alarm system either. So I'm probably going to steer away from the blue cars that look like they have alarms. And so we're walking and him and I are talking and we're looking at different blue cars. And all of a sudden I see this blue pickup truck. And I was like, oh, this could probably, um, you know, be a match. And I look in the back in the bed of the pickup truck and there was like probably 15 empty alcohol bottles, like vodkas, beers, just all sorts of like variety. Like it looks like he, there was a party in this truck, in the in the tailgate or wherever this truck. And he's like, well, I think this is the car. <laughs> it was blue. And our guy was had cirrhosis and liver failure. So I said, you know, I said, you're very observant, a great security guard. I think this is the car too. So I ended up getting into the car with his key because it was the car, of course, but he didn't have a wallet or anything inside. We had to, um, I found a business card for a counselor, like a mental health counselor. So I was like, well, maybe they could give us information. Like I had an appointment time and day. So I called up this mental health counselor and I said, hey, do you have, um, you know, did you have a client on the 26th scheduled at, you know, three o'clock, whatever. And he was like, oh yeah. And I said, well, do you know the name? And he told me the name and I explained why I needed to know. And said, did he have an emergency contact on file? Like, what do you know about this guy? And he was like, well, he was sent to me from the court for DUI. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> so yeah, you can't make that up. So needless to say, then we had to backtrack and, you know, call the police department and find out, you know, when he was arrested, did they have a contact information? Did he have any information in his car? Like, did they have a ID? Any, and we didn't even have driver's license. That's how bad it was. Oh. It was That's crazy. But we found him. No. We found him and we found like an, emer I don't remember now, that was years ago. So it was probably, you know, a, a child or sibling or something. Um inquiring minds did he at least park straight he did that's impressive he was in the line so. but 
But because I was going to say, like, that can't be that difficult to find. He's probably parked in, like, the, <laughs> the right. day or something. <laughs> what, was, what movie? Was it The Hangover where they were, like, parked on the roof somewhere or something, right? Like, Or that, um, or did you, you saw the poster, right, um, where they had that accident on, um, in the parking lot on Facebook? Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, and the truck ran over the car. Truck ran over the car. Apparently, proxy versus wasn't a good idea or an afterthought. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I don't even know how you end up in that kind of a situation. Like, I, well, clearly, this guy he is a, a repeat DUI. Clearly, right. so he right. probably is like, you know what? These lines look the straightest out of all of them. <laughs> oh man. We yeah, had, I, had a, I had a rehab patient that had driven herself to the hospital, and um, I don't remember what it was for. I know she ended up having cardiac stuff going on with it, but um, she had no reason she couldn't leave driving the driving her car, like and and she she left in her own car. Like she's <sighs> like, why am I going to pay? Because you know, I would have to pay for her. She didn't have anybody that could come pick her up and her car, right? She's like, because what's going to happen? They're going to, my neighbor's going to have to bring me up here to take my car, me, and I'm going to have to drive my car home. I mean, she had a valid point, right? Like, it was obviously signed off, but. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get, but right. I don't know. It makes, it, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I don't remember if she physically like um like was actually discharged. She may have just signed herself out. I don't remember or it happened over the weekend and I wasn't there and I'm just like this is a bad idea, but you know, I I hear what you're saying, like you're just going to have to have And she was probably one of our more physical like could walk around the building like 9,000 times. Like she was okay. in pretty physical health like I don't think they would have said you can do it if she wasn't, but right. Yeah, yeah but we you did. always think you should recuperate before you. Yeah. Right. We did have a guy. I'll never forget this. Um, because of oxygen, he needed oxygen um, to be discharged to the facility. So I had a call. You know the transport company, and uh, um, normally yeah. so. Normally, like the wheelchair transports, like we'll just borrow an oxygen tank and then we'll bring it back so they don't have to pay the expensive trip for, you know, EMS to take him. Well, um, I called EMS on this specific patient and something completely unrelated happened. And in the parking lot of our facility, his like O2 sat dropped <gasps> super fast and he ended up in the emergency room. I like li- I've never experienced that in my life. Oh my god! And I'm gosh. like calling the family. I'm like, hey, um, so, and I'm like, I'm not a nurse, right? And the right. person that would normally call is not there. So I'm like, hey, I just want to let you know, you know, this is a social worker, and I had everything arranged, and I, and I know you're sitting in the parking lot waiting for them to arrive, but you might want to come to our emergency room over here because he got on the truck and. A lot of things went hay- haywire, like completely 
Yeah. And get to the emergency room. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, that was an interesting call. But I mean, things like, I'm sure things like that happen on a regular basis. To us, it's not normal. Right. Then it's probably like, oh, it probably is like, all right, how do we fix this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, so next, what are we talking about next time? Are we going to do, let's see, we could probably do more private investigator stuff. I'm sure there's yeah, more. Could do, I could totally come up with a couple of friends. Yeah. Um, dude, where's my car? We did that. You know, I mean, I feel like it might be time to push the envelope a little bit with like the bed bugs and the cat oh, urine. Yes. Oh, yes. I have some great bed bug stories. And what about like and cat urine? Yes. Bed bugs, cat urine, and maybe like, um, there's missing clothes. Do we have that one too? Oh, yeah. I had it. Mm hmm. Actually, one of the social workers um, you're, you know well that actually works with me now got so annoyed with me when I had to go looking for clothes. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I know they're up there. I'm coming up. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 We used to carry all this stuff in our office and we shared with the other office. And yeah. 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 That was, oh, that yeah. Was I think we need to go with the, the oh, bed so yeah, hold on. Let me do this. Let me, I'm, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to set it for next week or next episode that we are going to do bed bugs and cat urine. Um, so right. keep, keep an eye out for that. If, if anyone's um, interested in that topic, I know it's not like a, um, you know, I'm sure they're lining up at the door now to wait. They can't wait. You're biting a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm sure we could come up with some more private investigator stuff to uh, entertain us. And then, um, so I'll keep that one for next time. And, oh, you know, we could, well, maybe we could do personal stuff next time too. Maybe we'll yeah. mix in some non-medical. Um, yeah, we should have done one for Mother's Day for us working mothers. I know, we missed that. Maybe we should do it for Father's Day instead. Yeah, yeah we should talk about mothers on Father's Day. <laughs> I think that's a perfectly normal idea, Christina. I don't know why anyone would anyone would think not i mean we do have to think with you right yeah i mean it's not like anyone's going to talk about fathers on father's day so exactly we might as well be the people that talk about mothers technically they wouldn't be fathers without the mother yeah yeah i think that's good we can celebrate like parents day parents day yeah, so we'll we'll do we'll do bed bugs, cat urine, missing clothes, and then we'll sprinkle in a little bit of uh, mom mom work life too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I have I had one that happened yesterday that's quite hysterical, actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, we have apparently we have. Remember, we started a a school of social worker wine time. Do you remember that? We like gave our listeners in our first episode or maybe our second, first or second episode, like things to do, be a successful social worker. Yeah, so tonight's episode was one of those. Yes, see? And so, so what did we say tonight? What was the, what was the, oh, the Gina, Gina Grams. Gina Grams. Grams, Gina Grams, just do them. Don't worry about what it looks like. Exactly but you will use them again. You will. There we go. And they're not fun and they're not fun to do like if you don't want some of the family dirt, like if you don't know a lot of your family dirt and you are required to do one for school, 
Oof. and you have to ask family these personal crazy questions. Because, just make it up. Yeah, just make it up. They don't know. They're your teacher ain't gonna come back after you. Yeah, but yeah. you, you don't want to open that can of worms. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, because now you just can't look back. You're just like, oh, now I know. Now I know about that aunt, that crazy aunt that loose cannon. You don't want to yeah. know about that. You want to know them as the sweet aunt that gives you chocolates from her purse. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. exactly. All right. Well, we have enjoyed sharing some more, um, you know, a little bit of serious, a little bit of funny stories this week. We did a little mixture. So next week we'll have more funny and some personal stories too. Well, um, but so, so far you've learned in social work wine time school, in case you've missed the first couple episodes, don't sleep with your clients cannot do that. No matter what they say, you can't sleep with the client. Um, HIPAA and confidentiality is real. It's the one thing that you really have to, um, you know, actually learn about and abide by. Um, if you didn't document it, it didn't happen, which, you know, it's a big one. Um, and genograms, just do them. Don't worry about what it looks like, but you'll use them again. So make sure you figure out how to communicate them to yourself, at least if, if nobody else. And if you want to really be cool, you could do crazy things like draw tombstones on the ones that have died instead of, you know, whatever the right symbol. Yeah. Yeah, Middle fingers. If they don't talk anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just make it, make it understandable, but it doesn't have to have a certain format because in real, in the real world, no one else is going to go and read it. And if they are, they would much rather have a really funny one than uh, a boring one. So medical terminology should be on that list too you know knowing the difference between a cabbage and yes. a vegetable <laughs> yes putting that on there right now we also taught you the difference between a cabbage and the vegetable cabbage um, which there's a big difference <laughs> yeah so if you're not in the medical field i highly suggest you listen to that one was that episode two no yeah no it was one that was one that it was, was one. episode so one because that was the quiz yeah, so if you need to know the difference between the medical terminology, that I suggest that that episode one is definitely a good one to teach you for that. And if you are interested, you do not have to be a social worker to come in. Moira was not a social worker, but she does work in the helping profession. So if you are interested to be a guest, let us know. We're always looking for those. Yes. It's also fun to hear from our listeners when, you know, our stories, because sometimes we may say something that triggers the funniest story of your life. And then you have to share it with us because it's just required. Exactly. Like Moira thought of poop. Yes. Hey. Who that, I never would have thought that anybody else had a coworker that pooped their pants in the office, but apparently there's, there's, they're out there. So you better call us and let us know. <laughs> so Milton's a little late on listening to some of these. And he listened to that and he told me, he wanted me to say, I, I do have a, a good poop story. I will save it for another day. But he did say that I can officially say my coworker pooped at work because Yay. he works from home. <laughs> <laughs> we'll use that one on Father's Day. <laughs> so, yes, I have That's a coworker awesome. that poops at work. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. All right. Well, Thanks, guys, and we'll see you next episode. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram and send us an email. Uh, all the details and how to find us are at the end of this episode. Yep. 
Bye bye. Bye. Oh, did Tom say bye? Oh, I forgot, Tom. I'm so sorry, Tom. His feelings are really hurt. It wasn't one of those angry Tom episodes, though. So, no, sorry. as long as he got to Tom. say goodbye. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. See you next time. Or, yep, talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Bye. You don't have to be a social worker or medical helping professional to enjoy this conversation. Anyone from any walk of life can tune in. Do you have a funny story about your work as a helping professional? Email us at socialworkerwinetime at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at socialworkerwinetime. The H is optional, like in our logo, because we might be drinking wine, but it's not optional in our email address and on our Instagram. Come and tell us your story. We may share your story on our next podcast. That's all for now. We're going to go dance it out like Meredith and Christina. Cheers. Cheers.